Welcome to podcast number six of Practical Wisdom from ACP Financial Advisors, a monthly program about creating and operating a successful financial planning practice. We're a presentation of the Alliance of Comprehensive Planners, known as ACP, a community of tax-focused financial advisors operating under a unique retainer-based fiduciary business model. I'm your host, Ken Robinson. On our show today, adding value for clients with tax-focused financial planning. Tax season, what an annoying time of year. Every year, taxpayers are under the gun to get their returns prepared by April 15th. There's confusing tax law to figure out or rushed explanations from harried tax preparers who don't have a lot of time to consider how the taxpayer can improve the numbers on their returns. And too often, those returns give bad news when the taxpayer discovers they have a big check to write. But what if you could turn the subject of income tax into a chance for your clients to save money? How do you take the subject of taxes, this once a year filing chore, and turn it into something else? Maybe a chance for the client to understand how their decisions throughout the year influence the taxes they pay. Maybe a chance for you to save your client far more than anyone has ever saved them before. Our guest is Jonathan M. Heller, CFA, CFP, EA, President and founder of KEJ Financial Advisors, LLC, a fee-only financial planning firm in Newtown, Pennsylvania. John has provided tax-focused financial planning advice to his clients since 2008. He's the co-author, along with Robert B. Walsh, of the white paper, Tax Alpha, How to Add Measurable Value with Tax-Focused Financial Planning. John, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Ken. I appreciate you having me on. John, uh, almost no one seems to like doing their taxes. And of course, lots of people take this task to a professional preparer. Uh, Why isn't that enough? The fact is that preparing taxes, it has to be done. It has to be done accurately. But if that is the be-all and end-all, it ignores all of the things that taxpayers can take advantage of through the course of the tax year. Now, once you get to filing season, it's too late to do anything. It's almost like the tax return is the final exam. And what happens in the tax year from January 1st to December 31st is the preparation. Now, if you're not doing any preparation – then you're going to get a big surprise when you get your grade back. You point out in your white paper that a lot of people seem to treat taxes like these numbers just magically appear on December 31 and are then unchangeable instead of being something that they can influence over the year uh, so that they can control how, to some degree how those numbers come out. Yeah, and that's exactly right. I think we've been trained to focus on April 15th. It's a scary day to a lot of people, and yet That being the focus, it leaves out all of the things that we can do between January 1st and December 31st to make our situation better. What comes to mind is, do they have the right amount withheld or have they been making the right quarterly estimated tax payments? But tax planning is more than just influencing how much the taxpayer is contributing through the course of the year, isn't it? It's helping clients to take advantage of all that the law allows them. And if 
you are working solely with a tax preparer, it is more than likely their role in your life is to put the numbers in the right boxes and file by April 15th. They're not looking out over their situation for the full course of the year. They're, they're likely not advising them. And if they take gains, are there opportunities to offset losses, to convert IRAs to Roth, to lower adjusted gross income to the point that you might get uh, some American Opportunity tax credit for your kids in college? The chance to influence those things, there's just a lot more that you can do before the year ends than if you're waiting till after January 1 and trying to use one of the few techniques that might be available to you before April 15th. That's exactly right, Ken. By January 1st, there's, there are not a lot of things that you can do. Most of what is reflected in that tax return is going to occur in the tax year. It is more than making sure that clients are having enough withheld in their paychecks so they don't get a nasty surprise. But even that can throw a curveball to people. Right after I filed taxes, I immediately will build a sample tax return for the following year. And that will involve gathering data, pay stubs. One of the things that I noticed was that the withholding rates had fallen far below where they should have been. Now, most folks did get a tax cut, but when the IRS rejiggered the withholding tables, they withheld far too little. So I ask clients for pay stubs and, and extrapolate, and I, I found multiple times where a dual-income couple was going to come up remarkably short of, of where they need to be. Uh, had some that would have been in the eight to $10,000 range, and we were able to course correct and make sure that they you know, were not going to get a big surprise at the end of the year. What do these households look like? Are these, are these people who are bringing in a million dollars a year? What sort of income level were you finding these gaps? You're talking between, let's say, $160,000 and $200,000 in income. And on the current course they were on, owing eight to $10,000. So it was, it was quite staggering. You know, one of the things I noticed was that no one was talking about this. It wasn't until last September uh, that I saw some articles in the media saying, hey, you may want to check out your withholdings. But we, and I suspect a lot of my ACP brethren were on top of that really early in the year so that clients were not getting that big surprise at year end. And one of the big things here is your client's psychology and the fact that they come up even versus owing eight to $10,000 is a big deal to them. Negative surprises are not good when it comes to taxes, bottom line. It makes me think of the line that's attributed to Yogi Berra that uh, uh, losing hurts worse than winning feels good. And I find the same thing with our clients who are uh, much more unhappy with a $1,000 check to write than they are happy with a $1,000 refund. Oh, absolutely. I feel that one of you know, part of my job as a tax-focused financial planner is to manage that process along the way and make sure that there is not a big surprise at the end of the year. And there's a lot of impact that we can have as tax-focused financial planners on that whole process. But it's a process that starts January 1st, not April 15th. And I think the more that 
financial planners will focus on taxes and not be scared away from them. I, I frankly, I feel that a lot are scared away by the actual preparation part, but the, uh, the planning part can actually be a lot of fun, believe it or not. And I'm an investment guy by background, but I love, absolutely love the tax planning part. And what happens over time is the light bulb will go off in a, in a client's mind and they'll see the value there. And I believe it makes practices a lot more sticky than if you're just focused on the investment side as an asset manager. It's interesting that you talk about the resistance among planners to want to get their hands dirty with taxes. I remember when I entered the profession, I thought, well, I do like this holistic methodology. The piece I want to leave out is taxes because that's complicated and that's scary. And as soon as I saw how much money I could save for my clients, I thought, if it's daunting to me, how much more daunting is it to the client? Much better for me to be conversant with things that affect the clients that tend to come to my practice. So I don't need to know everything about the tax code to be able to be of tremendous value. And you mentioned investments as another area which, of course, most of us think of when we think of financial planning. But uh, how different is it to say to a client, well, we've made this change to your investment portfolio. We think you'll get another quarter percent or half percent return. But of course, we can't be sure that you'll get that return because we can't predict the future. Instead of saying that, how much better to say, oh, with this change that we'll make in the month of July, you'll save $4,500 on your taxes. Infinitely better. There, there, there's so much of an impact we can have on the investment side when we are helping our clients to make decisions. We are going to make transactions throughout the course of the year. And by being on top of what the tax ramifications are, you are your client's best ad advocate. So tell us something about that overlap between being a tax planner and managing your client's investments. What are the sorts of decisions that you're making about the investments that have a tax dimension? Well, initially, invariably, you are going to be making changes to a portfolio. And by being on top of not only the tax piece, but also the, the investment piece, you can see how one, the investment side is going to influence the tax side. And rather than blindly buying and selling and rebalancing, you can make more informed intelligence decisions that will impact the client's taxes one way or another. Now, when there's a disconnect between that, when there is a tax preparer who is preparing the taxes, let's say on April 1st, and there's an investment professional who's managing the portfolio, I would say it's highly likely that the two of those folks are not talking to one another. The fact that I am on top of both makes it a lot more seamless. It's no longer the case that the right hand does not know what the left hand's doing. And again, leading to a situation where there's a big surprise at tax time because the investment advisor decided to make a sale that generated a huge capital gain that the, that the tax preparer in this case had no idea about. The fact that I have purview over both of those things means that I can help my clients make a more informed decision when we are, let's say, rebalancing the portfolio, if the right decision is to sell $100,000 worth of X, I will know the impact that that's going to have on the tax return. And whether or not we also need to sell $50,000 worth of Y, 
to generate a you know a loss to offset a gain. So having those things tied together, it's no longer the case that the left hand, being the investment advisor, and the right hand, being the tax preparer, don't really have any communication. I know I've certainly seen a number of times when clients have been surprised to see the result uh, on their tax return of the trades that their investment managers were making that you know all this automatic monthly rebalancing perhaps in a separately managed account was generating capital gains sometimes short-term capital gains that were more expensive that the investment manager just didn't feel was their problem they'd given a disclosure about there may be tax consequences and off they went to manage investments without a concern for how the tax return would actually look at the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. That that kind of situation has all the times, and that kind of ties into the whole notion of uh, clients waiting until they file their taxes to figure out whether they're going to owe or whether they're getting money back, as if it's a huge mystery. And if you are working with a professional that is providing you proper tax planning, coordinating the investment side with the tax side, then the likelihood of a surprise is a lot lower. So the financial planning process can help us set up a less costly tax return for the client. How does having the tax return in front of you, even if someone is a brand new client, help you with the financial planning process? Early on as an ACP advisor, and I'm not sure who said this, but it was said that tax returns are a window to the financial soul. When you're sitting with a new client, you look at their tax return and you get a sense for what their financial life is like. What are the opportunities that might be there? I found that a good number of times where clients have self-prepared or even had their returns done by a tax preparer who has missed real opportunities for fairly large savings. A brand new client who had self-prepared and I asked, I usually ask for two or three years of tax returns. And as I'm reviewing them, I'm noticing that in the 2008, 2009 period, when most folks were losing money in the market, that these clients were reporting fairly large capital gains. And it didn't make sense. They were not offsetting those gains with losses. So they had losses, but they had not reported them for one reason or another. So amended return, you get back clients thousands of dollars, and right then and there, the, the trust begins to build. I've seen situations where husband had a business and wife was not comfortable filing a joint return. And by amending the returns and filing jointly instead of married separately, able to bring in you know thousands of dollars that these clients would not have seen. So some of it is downright uh, errors made, and some of it is opportunities missed. The latter is another uh, aspect that tax planners can really take advantage of. A tax return has so many moving parts, and A affects B and B affects C. So if you are doing proper tax planning, you're running scenarios. If we did this, could we reduce adjusted gross income enough so that two years from now, the monthly premium for Medicare is going to be lower. Could we uh, 
increase 401k savings in order to get adjusted gross income below the threshold so that the parents that have two kids in college can take advantage of the $5,000 that they could get back from the American Opportunity Credit. So running scenarios, it's an ongoing process, but it almost always bears some kind of fruit. What about the possibility of multi-year tax planning? I'm thinking of something like required minimum distributions. When RMDs are on the horizon, there is always the opportunity, and I'll give you one example, and that is to push that first required minimum distribution that you must take at 70 and a half. The IRS allows you to push that into the following year, which you would essentially be taking two. So in two essence, distributions in one year. If you yes. push it to the following year, you end up taking two distributions in one year. That's correct. You can only do that once. One of them has to be done by, by April, one by December. But basically, in a nutshell, you are doubling up income for the first year of your RMDs. And there may be occasions where one spouse is still working and one is not. And you can smooth income out by delaying that first RMD. I've done that a few times, and, and I, I'm seeing more opportunities to, to do that. We've sometimes seen the opposite strategy where we figure out about how much the client is going to need to take out in required minimum distributions several years down the road and seen that that's going to push them into a higher marginal tax bracket. So we've begun to take distributions from the retirement accounts before they're required, reducing the number of dollars that are going to have to come out at that higher tax bracket or possibly bringing the balances of the retirement accounts down to the point that they're going to stay in the same tax bracket. No, absolutely. And Ken, what you're talking about here shows the difference and the true importance of tax planning because a tax preparer who is going to be inundated with 400 tax returns to do between January and April 15th is not going to have the time, the communication with the client to think the way that you are thinking. And what you're talking about there is so far ahead of what most people are used to. It is incredibly valuable. There are other opportunities. And I, I want to give you one more. And that's the situation where a client is pre-retirement age, they're pre-Medicare, but they decide to retire, let's say, in their early 60s. And they need to buy health insurance. They could co-grow through an employer for a while. I think it's still 18 months. But other than that, they're likely going to have to go into the marketplace in the Affordable Care Act. Everyone that is tax planning knows that the Affordable Care Act premiums are based on income. But I don't think what a lot of people realize is that's the only factor that they're based on. Assets do not come into play. So as a tax planner, as a financial planner, you have the opportunity to pick and choose the right income sources that are going to be reported on the, on the tax return in order to lower adjusted gross income to the point that that client may be eligible for a subsidy. If there are a lot of IRA assets in a traditional IRA and we're in a very low tax bracket, is there an opportunity to do a Roth conversion at a very, very low tax rate? These are the things, they are opportunistic and, and they're, they're actually, they're very exciting for clients. So this is what you mean when you say in the white paper, tax planning 
is an anticipatory active process. And we find the same thing uh, in, in our practice as well. Of course, in the white paper, you and uh, Robert, your co-author, uh, talk a lot about the tax-focused financial planner. Uh, shouldn't they also be an investment-focused financial planner or a budget-focused financial planner? They can be focused and should be focused on all of those things. But taxes are, I believe, the biggest mystery of all of them. And it could also be that they're the most overlooked. Everybody knows that they need the budget. They know how important the investment piece is. But I think that the the taxes are the, the boogeyman. It's the, the thing that clients are most afraid of. When we use the term tax-focused financial planner, we are inferring that there's a lot more to it than just tax-focused. We are everything financially related to a client's life focused. Including taxes. Including taxes. Absolutely. Right. right. We, we have found that one of the most educational things that we've done for clients is help them see the line on their tax return that says total tax rather than focusing on the line that says uh, refund or amount due. Because once they see how much they're paying in taxes, sometimes they realize this is the biggest bill I pay every year. I just didn't notice it because it's coming out of my paycheck before I ever see it. I think you're correct. And as a tax-focused financial planner, we have the opportunity to not just focus on what do you owe, limiting the surprises, but also getting clients to realize, I think just as you say, that it is, it is the biggest bill that we're going to pay, maybe short of college. But you know, for most people, it's, it's the most that they're going to be putting out for anything. I find that there are overlaps with taxes in other areas too. I think of clients recently who were trying to manage the affairs of one of their parents who was uh, in their final illness, and they were rushing to get the deed to that parent's home uh, moved into the name of uh, the adult child. And we were able to advise them, look, don't do that. Because if you leave it in uh, your parent's name, you'll get a step up in basis. So when you go to sell the house, which you've said you plan to do, you won't have to pay nearly as much in income tax. They just had the house retitled so that it would transfer on death to the adult child. But at that point, they got a substantial step up in basis and saved tens of thousands of dollars in income tax. They were thinking of this as estate planning, which of course it was. There was a way they could accomplish it that made much more sense than transferring the ownership of the house completely to the adult child while the parent was still living. And that's a great example of the type of subject matter that that's going to come up when you are involved as a tax-focused financial planner in your client's life, and you're talking about taxes, and you're talking about estate planning. Invariably, clients are going to ask you about their parents' assets or this situation that's going on. It brings up opportunities that you can positively influence something that is not part of their financial lives now, but will. A lot of this is helping clients avoid mistakes. And kind of the example that you presented, huge, huge opportunity 
that probably only comes out because of the type of relationship that you've established with that client. And I think that brings us back to the point where we really started that, you know, your point in the white paper is that taxes are no longer a once a year discussion for your clients, but something that's always on their minds. And I think about the habits that we help our clients build up to be more tax savvy throughout the year. Things like keeping receipts for costs that, you know, maybe are deductible and being more conscious of the fact that it matters which shares they sell because that's going to generate either a greater or a smaller capital gain. Yeah, bringing those kind of awarenesses, you are only enriching your clients. That's what we want to do. We want them to know more. We want them to be better equipped. It's very rewarding when you hear clients start thinking about some of the ways to reduce their taxes. With the new tax law and the changes to the standard deduction, thinking along the lines of, hey, John, I really do want to talk to you about whether doubling my charitable contributions at the end of the year and in lieu of giving any next year, whether that's going to help me out. And when you start to hear clients talk like that and think like that, you know that you've made an impact that is only going to benefit them. Yeah, it's very rewarding to hear that you know they've gotten the message and that they understand that a little bit of attention to this thing that they used to be afraid of will pay them benefits. Uh, and it's not; it doesn't need to be that scary. And when you take it from a once-a-year reporting feature to an all-year event that is looking forward and being anticipatory and making decisions as you go, it makes it more a part of their year rather than just a single April 15th scary event when the IRS may be coming to them for a big check. Last question uh, for you, John. Uh, I can't help noticing that uh, Jonathan M. Heller didn't found JMH Financial Advisors, but you founded KEJ Financial Advisors. What's the story behind that? The initials KEJ stand for my family. K is for my wife, Kathy, and daughter, Kaylee. E is for daughter, Elizabeth, and J is for our son, Jonathan. So that is where the KEJ comes from. John, it's been great having you on. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Ken. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Jonathan M. Heller, CFA, CFP, EA, President and Founder of KEJ Financial Advisors, LLC, a fee-only financial planning firm in Newtown, Pennsylvania. He's the co-author, along with Robert B. Walsh, of the white paper Tax Alpha, How to Add Measurable Value with Tax-Focused Financial Planning. There's a link to John's website and to the white paper in our show notes. This is podcast number six of Practical Wisdom from ACP Financial Advisors from the Alliance of Comprehensive Planners. ACP is a community of tax-focused financial advisors operating under a unique fee-only retainer model. For more than 20 years, ACP has trained advisors in the practices and tools of a comprehensive process rooted in the uncompromising values of fiduciary fee-only planning. Our members are pioneers and innovators who together have perfected a unique retainer-based, tax-focused, comprehensive approach, providing a distinct alternative in the financial planning marketplace. ACP offers a lower-cost associate membership, 
for those who want to learn and apply ACP's methodology prior to becoming certified members. For more information, call 910-769-1569 or visit acplanners.org.